Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman and Hurdle. Although Hurdle is not in today, he is on his European vacation. And Zach Stevens from DNVR is filling in today, tomorrow, and Thursday. Welcome back and good morning. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Zach Stevens, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos up in Blackhawk always have great giveaways. They're giving away a Tesla. This is the second time in a row they have done this for their giveaway. If you don't want it, you're going to get over $33,000 in cash instead. They have a great sports book, really good food, and um, always great promotions. Whale's Tales, by the way. I don't know if you like to play Salats. To me, that's the one to play. Mm, that's it? That's 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 the one I always want to go to. Whale's Tales. Sasquatch and Wildcard, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. I'm not going to call out this guy by name. <clears throat> but sometimes when you watch the news and they're young kids, you're thinking, how much does this person really know who is giving me the news? I mean, I spent a lot of years on television. I'm sure people looked at me the same way. But then again, I was talking about sports, not news. I'm not going to name this person, but this guy actually put this out on Twitter. He's working in Colorado in a television market, and he put this out on Twitter. Denver is called the Mile High City because its elevation is exactly one mile above sea level. How am I now learning this? I'm a Colorado native. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't say that. Don't admit it. And this guy is giving us the news. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. He can't be serious. Is he he really? He was serious. I would hope not. And I'm not going to name him by name. Says he's a TV news producer and digital content producer at a at a um, at a local television station in Colorado. Wow. And it's not a small small market either. So they're uh, essentially. Is your hint? Um, I was just flabbergasted that he actually admitted that on Twitter. I was going to say to admit that is taking it a whole nother step. Right. That, that that's like me going on the air and saying I had no idea it was called Broncos Country. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then right. again, John Elway didn't know that either. Bronco Land. That's right. Mm-hmm. Bronco Land. <laughs> and Roger Goodell. Yep. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Peter King made his predictions for the upcoming season with Buffalo beating the Chargers in the FC Championship game, then beating the Packers in the Super Bowl. As for his Broncos prediction, he wrote, I didn't pick the Broncos to make the playoffs, which I'll probably live to regret. This year's AFC West is the toughest division I remember since the NFL went to eight four-team divisions in 2002. All four teams have at least 10 games against 2021 teams with winning records. I picked the Chargers in Kansas City to make the postseason, but nothing will shock me. As one coach told me on my camp tour, no road team winning an AFC West game this year will be an upset. He said that was the best line he heard on his camp tour. How much of this, what I just read, of what King wrote, do you agree with? Well, it's a nightmare for the Broncos if this is what happens. Not only do the Chiefs make the playoffs, which isn't a shock to anyone, but the Chargers win the Super Bowl with the Broncos missing out. 
that that that's the worst possible scenario for the Broncos this year is the Chargers becoming a Super Bowl team along with we know the Chiefs are contenders and then the Broncos not even being in there in terms of how much do I agree with it I can see the Chargers winning the whole thing I can see the Chargers winning the AFC West and making a Super Bowl run I do think the Broncos are going to be in the playoffs though so that, that's too. what I don't agree with I just don't like when somebody writes well I'll probably live to regret it right right, right. You, well then you, predict you, it. you're giving yourself an out yep just make your prediction to be done with it. If you're going to live to regret it, then pick them to go. Right. 100%. Then you, in the AFC, I'm sorry, it's tougher to make the playoffs in the AFC than is the NFC. But don't say you're going to live to regret it because then if they do make the playoffs, well, I had a feeling they were going to, and I don't want to didn't pick them, but they were they were my seven and a half seed. Right. Right. Exactly. They were the A seed. They were my seven and a half seed. King also wrote about his relationship between Russell Wilson or the relationship between Wilson and Hackett, saying, quote, Wilson feels he has a bit of an authorship with somebody he considers a football savant in Hackett. It's the kind of relationship he's wanted with his play caller and play author. That's why Wilson's agent spent four days in Denver hashing out a new deal with the Broncos and why Wilson thinks this is the perfect place to spend the second half of his career. Are we overvaluing this relationship or undervaluing this relationship it can't be overvalued enough we can't talk about how important this relationship is enough because what did russell wilson want the past 10 years he wanted someone that was going to trust in him that was going to play to his strengths and it was a complete opposite Pete carroll is about defense and running the ball and then okay in the fourth quarter when things get bad then i'll let russ do what he wants to do you know what that sounds like What's that sound like? Dan Reeves and John Elway. Uh, exactly. It does. And then what happens when he gets a coach that wants to play to his strengths? We see John Elway and Mike Shanahan. And that's exactly what this could be. And Russell Wilson, there's no question. He wants this to be an authorship. He doesn't want this to be the coach tells me the play and I run it and do exactly that. No, he wants input. And there's no question he has input in the building. He has his own office. He has his own team that's allowed in the building. And he's the one that ultimately in two-minute situations, He's the one calling the plays. Nathaniel Hackett sends him suggestions, recommendations, but Russ is the one calling those plays. If it stays like this, where Russ gets all of this power, Russ is going to love it, and Russ is going to thrive as a passer. If that ever gets taken away, then we may start seeing the relationship crumble like we saw it crumble out in Seattle. When you do your podcast at DNVR, when we do this show together, do you feel you're going to have a better show when you're comfortable with your co-hosts? 100%. Mm. See, here's the thing. We are looking at the Broncos, not we here in town, because we know the backstory. That's why I always kind of laugh at national guys talking about the local team here, because they really don't know what we know. This is a really important intangible mm -hmm. that it's kind of like in the NFL draft, where we're only looking at the measurables. Well, who are the guys on the roster? Those are the measurables, right? The intangibles are, what is the culture like? What are the relationships like? I'm guessing you were sitting in the same press conference as I was probably about three, four weeks ago with DJ Jones. And I asked him, what is the difference between playing for these two young coaches? Kyle Shanahan and Nathaniel Hackett. And he came from the 49ers. And he said, playing for Shanahan is all business. 
Now, Shanahan has had plenty of success there. He's also had some rough seasons too, but he took his team to a Super Bowl. But he said it's all business. And then he said about Hackett, it's fun coming to work. It's fun coming to work. And I said, what does fun mean to you, DJ? And he said, trust. We all trust each other. Those are things that you don't see on the practice field. Those are things that you don't see. All you see are guys running routes and catching passes. And granted, it's about running the right routes and catching the passes and getting quarterback sacks and throwing touchdown passes and running touchdown passes. I get it. But I think there's a better chance that that happens when those intangibles are there than if you have a Vic Fangio type of team where I don't think there really is a lot of trust and it's a chore to come to work. When you're going to work with people you want to work with and you get excited, inherently you just tend to work harder and you tend to listen more and you absorb more. And people who are not covering this team don't see this. The culture changed in two major ways. Off the field, Nathaniel Hackett, the first thing he said when he got to Denver was, I want to make it fun to be here. People want to come into work. What does he do? He gives a bear hug to every single person when they get there to have training you gotten camp. A, have, on. You, have you gotten a Hackett hug yet? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Th- those things are powerful. Right. And yeah. then and then on the field. Those are powerful. <laughs> on the it's field, a life-changing experience. <laughs> it was almost out of body. No, literally powerful. He's, he's, a, he's a strong guy. He's a strong guy. He's <laughs> uh, play football. On the field, what he also does is he caters to his players' strengths. How many times these past few years did we see Pat Shermer and all the other offensive coordinators just try to, to, to pound a square, he- square peg into a round hole? No, now he's building an offense around Russell Wilson. It's things that just make so much sense, but we haven't seen it in so many years that you, 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 you think you're going crazy. And you're like, why are they doing this? For all the coaching changes there have been in Denver since the Broncos won their last Super Bowl, um, the one consistent thing that I have seen outside of maybe a Scangarello on offense is older coaches who are set in their ways and all coaches say the right things, but they rarely seem to follow through. Uh, when Mike McCoy was hired as the offensive coordinator, I remember having a one-on-one with him and he said, I am going to design an offense the plays to my players' strengths. <laughs> no, he didn't. No. Nope. What he did was he took what he knows because he didn't want to change. He didn't want to change. You're going to have to change. Right. Ejer Evero. What's he doing right now? What is the base model, essentially, of the Broncos' defense? What Vic Fangio did last year. Yep. Now, granted, Fangio was one of his mentors, but he's also had Monty Kiffin as a mentor. Uh, He has had a lot of great mentors who have run a lot of great systems. But to make it easier on the players, he's using Fangio's system, which, if we're being completely honest, you may not like Fangio as a head coach, but he certainly knows something about defense. Tradition is the greatest enemy of change. Mm, It's true. And the tradition of Pat Shermer is, I'm going to do it my way. You have to adjust to me. Mike McCoy, I'm going to do it my way because my system works. You're going to have to change to me. And with all due respect to Mike McCoy and to Pat Shermer 
who have forgotten more about football than I know, I got news for both of them. Their tradition doesn't have a really good track record historically. It does not. It's not the Bill Belichick type of history where Bill's doing some weird things out in New England really right now. Weird. But you say it's Bill Belichick. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't right. think those other guys had that same type of backing. Coming up after the break, NFL.com's Nick Shook wrote an article titled The Top Triplets in the NFL. What does that mean? Quarterback, top wide receiver, top running back. We know who they are essentially for the Broncos. Wilson, Williams, probably Cortland Sutton. I got to tell you, when I saw his ranking, I was actually stunned to see where he put those three guys. I really was. Because I had to read the other triplets, and I'm like, really? This is where they're at? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Zach Stevens at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friends at Colorado Off-Road, Jerry and Wendy. They have put together a great business. They have all the major accessory brands for your truck, your car, your Jeep, and your SUV. When you buy from Colorado Off-Road, they're going to install everything. That's the type of service you want. If you need some aftermarket, no problem. You don't have to buy something new. They want to make sure that you have what you need at the most affordable price. You go to the big box stores. Oh, they all, they're only going to sell you something new. Forget about aftermarket. But if you want something aftermarket, no problem. At Colorado Off-Road, they have over 90 years of combined experience to get you what you want. Here's the other thing I love about Colorado Off-Road. They're a local company. Their, their competition, big chains. You want to go with the local company. Jerry's from Littleton. The business, Colorado Off-Road, is in Littleton. Colorado grown, Colorado owned, that's Colorado Off-Road. Again, find them in Littleton or Upfit today at cooffroad.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. NFL.com's Nick Shook wrote an article titled The Top Triplets in the NFL, which ranks the combination of your quarterback, your top running back, your top wide receiver, and he puts them together in a group called the triplets, which is a pretty accurate term because that essentially began with the Cowboys back in the 1990s with their triplets of Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. Shook put the Broncos 15th. And I have to tell you, I can understand his reasoning, and maybe I'm too close to this, and maybe you're too close to this, but I don't think they are middle of the pack, or at least 15th. Maybe they're not top 10, but I don't think they're 15th. So what he's saying is the Broncos are average at that. The Broncos didn't do this entire offseason to be average when it comes to their offensive weapons. They didn't do it, but it doesn't mean that isn't the case. 
It, it, it It's true. Now, he has Russell Wilson tied as the 10th best quarterback in the NFL. He has Javante Williams as the 14th best running back. And he has Cortland Sutton as the 28th best pass catcher. So who's really bringing the Broncos down here? It's Cortland Sutton here. Is he wrong? Uh, Cortland Sutton has had a Pro Bowl season. Mm-hmm. But it was a long time ago. He was a 17th leading receiver in the NFL that year, too. Right. So this was pre-torn ACL. Mm-hmm. I think he has Wilson too low, tied for 10th. I don't think he's the 10th best quarterback in the league. I agree. He's top seven. Javante Williams, I think he's higher than that. I think he's a top 10 running back. However, however, Javante Williams only rushed for 900 yards last year. Now, granted, he split carries. Mm-hmm. So... Shook is probably looking at numbers, which the best way to evaluate talent is not by looking at numbers, meaning you don't look at measurables only when it comes to evaluating players in the draft. Russell Wilson, he didn't have the best season of his career. Had a bad digit on his throwing hand. Maybe he's going to take a step back. I don't want to overvalue the Broncos, but if we're being completely honest, I, I think he is looking at numbers as much as anything else instead of truly understanding who these guys are. The Sutton ranking, I don't have a huge problem with. I really don't. At 28th, I really don't have a huge problem with it. Do I think he will be better? Yes. I don't. I think he will be better than the 28th wide receiver in the league this year because he finally has a quarterback, right? And Pat Shermer is no longer the offensive coordinator. He's going to have a lot more opportunities. I don't want to necessarily try to suggest that Cortland Sutton is going to be what Demarius Thomas was when Peyton Manning came to town. But he's going to be better than 28th, he barring is. injury. He certainly is. What what this tells me with Cortland Sutton is he's looking in the past. What has Cortland Sutton done? What type of player has he been? And if you look at last year, Cortland Sutton started off really hot. Week two against Jacksonville has 150 receiving yards. Eric, the final nine games of the season last year, mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton averaged two catches and 20 yards. In the final nine games of the season, the consistency right. was so bad with Cortland last year. Right. But that's going to change with Russell Wilson here. So to me, this is telling me that he's looking in the past and what these guys have done and the type of players that they've been. That's yep. going to change with Russell Wilson. But I also don't think it's going to be Cortland Sutton. I think at the end of the season, the Broncos triplets are going to be Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, and Jerry Judy. I think Judy will probably be the guy, too. So just looking at these rankings, I don't believe the Broncos should be in the top 10. The 10th best team, by the way, for triplets was Kansas City, according to Shook, which was Mahomes, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Travis Kelsey. Two of those are really good. Right. Kelsey, by the way, as a pass catcher, is ranked 13th. Wow. Now, he's a tight end. But he's going up against wide receivers mm-hmm. for the top pass catcher. This is where it gets a little bit questionable to me. Cardinals, Kyler Murray, James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins. For starters, DeAndre Hopkins isn't even starting the season. He's out for six games. There we go. So right there, Corlin Sutton, you would think, would have more production. And I would take Wilson over Kyler Murray all day. Every day. Okay. Then, this is where I was really like, what? The Panthers are 12th. Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, and DJ Moore. Baker Mayfield, I've always liked Baker Mayfield. He's a little fiery. I like that. 
I think, takes things too personally, and I think that his emotions get the best of him. He's the 15th-ranked quarterback. He's not in the same league as Russell Wilson. And Christian McCaffrey, you're banking on him staying healthy the whole year. He hasn't done that since he signed his big deal. That's right. Not even close. He's ranked as the fourth-best running back. Yeah, when he's healthy. Massive if. Right, massive if. The Colts, Matt Ryan, if you think Russell Wilson has to have a bounce back year, what about Matt Ryan? Absolutely, not even the same conversation. Not going to argue about not going to argue about Jonathan Taylor. Nope. And Michael Pittman is equal in terms of rank to Cortland Sutton. Jonathan Taylor certainly brings them up. And when you look at the Colts' offensive line, it's hard to argue they're really that great. Lamar. Then you have the Ravens at fourteen. Remember, the Broncos are fifteen. Lamar Jackson. I understand he's a great running back, quarterback, running back. J.K. Dobbins and Javante Williams. Is easy. No, nope. easy. Javante. Mark Andrews. It's because they don't have any other targets. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that I think that's kind of weak. I think the Broncos should be as low as 12th. I agree. I think, But I think it's not a third. huge difference. No, it's not. But when you come out and you say that they're average with these, that just doesn't line up. So I agree. They should be in the top third. And that's kind of their starting point for this year. And then we're talking about, okay, can they jump these other teams that we just went through to make it into the top seven this year? And I think Jerry Judy's going to have a huge role in that. And obviously that, that would change. If the Broncos end up having a top 15, top 10 receiver, then they are going to be in that top 10. How big of a leap does the Broncos offense make this year in your mind? I know they're going to make a leap, at least if, if Wilson stays healthy and they're relatively healthy. But is it is it exponential? Is it like what they had with Tebow to Manning? Is it that big of a chasm? That's about as big of a jump as you can have in NFL history. I think so. Too. Going from Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning. So I'm going to say it's a little dulled down yeah. from there, but it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a huge one because what one of the things Russell Wilson does so well is his work in the red zone, so that's a huge boost. And then also Russell Wilson does not turn the ball over. What's happened in Denver the past couple of years? It's, it's been turnover machine. So just changing those two things changes so much, and then you add everything else. Um, Zach, ball security is job security. <laughs> Thanks, Brock. You're welcome. <laughs> Coming up after the break. A lot of great matchups in college football over the weekend. A lot of ridiculous finishes. We're going to go over them. At least a few. Is there one game that stands out more than the rest? And there are a lot to choose from. And what is the temperature in the room at the Pac-12 headquarters after what we saw this weekend? As that conference, one guy's opinion, I don't know if you agree, Zach, that conference is on life support. That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk.
Here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive. Goodman Hurdle. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Zach Stevens at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Zach Stevens filling in for Bruce today, tomorrow, and Thursday. Bruce will be back from his vacation from me on Friday. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. A lot of great matchups this past weekend in college football. Full First full slate of games. Great matchups. Some unbelievable finishes, specifically in that Florida State LSU game, which was outrageous if you watched it. Uh, is there one game that stands out above the rest? Well, because everyone's talking about the Florida State game, I'm going to take the other team in Florida and talk about Florida-Utah. This was the Pac-12's chance to save their weekend. And Cameron Rising, a Heisman hopeful, wasn't able to do that. Eric, with one minute left in the game, Florida scores a touchdown to take a three-point lead. And it feels like the game is over. It's in Florida. Uh, Florida fans going crazy. That stadium absolutely rocking. Cameron rise, uh, Rising takes Utah down the field. In one minute, they get in the red zone. They get to the six-yard line on second down with 17 seconds left in the game. They have two shots at the end zone to win it. Or they can settle for an easy field goal to hit overtime. And he throws a pick in the end zone and absolutely ends the game right there. It was dramatic. Both Florida games were extremely dramatic, but for this one to end on a Heisman hopeful throwing a pick in the end zone, it was brutal. That also just encapsulated the Pac-12's weekend. Where was uh, Florida ranked going into the game? Unranked. I think um, in both polls, they were ranked 37th or 38th. Mm. (laughs) I understand they're going on the road. You shouldn't be losing that game. No, Utah, seventh ranked in the country coming in. I mean, think about this for a second. I know people around here don't want to hear about it. I know people in the Midwest don't want to hear about it. People in the West Coast don't want to hear about how great the SEC is. The SEC took on the top two teams, or excuse me, Florida took on one of the top teams in the Pac-12 and beat them as an unranked team. And then my choice was actually both SEC teams, Georgia and Oregon. This might seem a little far out there, not that I think this is going to be the case for Oregon anyway, because they're going to plummet in the polls now. Plummet. If you lose a game at any time in the season by six touchdowns or more, you should be immediately disqualified for being in the college football playoff. (laughs) And I'm including when they expand. Wow. I don't even care if you're a conference champion. Everyone is entitled to a bad day. You are not entitled to a bad day where you lose 49 to 3. Well, I don't care where the game is. And and this is just already the Pac-12 is already out of the conversation to be in the college football playoffs. When have they been in the conversation? Their only hope is USC. But USC they're they're just waiting for the lease to come up so they can go to the Big 10. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. I think Washington made it once and that was it. Yeah, it's embarrassing for this conference in basketball, really, over the last 10-plus years. I know they've had a few teams that have gone on runs. 
and that Larry Scott was not a very good commissioner. But the Pac-12 is 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 nothing. It's as much of an afterthought as living in New Jersey and watching the Pac-12 network for a game that starts at ten thirty at night your time. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. There, there's a reason they're getting overlooked. And what this weekend? What I came away with about this weekend? It's going to be Alabama, Georgia, and the national championship game. It's those two teams and the rest. Look, Ohio State can obviously uh, get hot and blow teams out. I was so underwhelmed by JT Stroud, so underwhelmed by him this weekend. And he's going to come out in the draft. Yep. There's no doubt about it. No. So we looked at what happened with the Pac-12, okay? They're struggling already to survive without USC and UCLA, who are eventually going to leave for the Big Ten. How much do you think what happened this past weekend Oregon getting blown out. Utah losing on the road to unranked Florida. By the way, this isn't Steve Spurrier's Florida Gators. This isn't Tim Tebow's Florida Gators. Okay. How much do you think it could possibly affect the future of the conference because of this weekend alone as they are negotiating a new TV deal? It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect them a, a, a lot now. The TV deal, it's all going to be what happens. How many teams leave? Do they lose... Uh, more markets than just L.A. because obviously that that's a huge uh, miss for them. This is going to affect them a lot. Do you want to spend a lot of money for the garbage the Pac-12 threw out there this weekend? Especially when you're losing the big biggest market in L.A. No, right. I, I don't. I don't think this is like a sledgehammer to a plate of glass, but but I do think it's a very sharp axe on a very thin tree trunk. It, it, people are trying to get out of the Pac-12 as quick as they can. And look at what Colorado did against a TCU team that isn't supposed to be very good. I know that Colorado's not supposed to be very good either, but they got their doors blown off by a team that will be fortunate to finish middle of the pack of the pack of the Big 12. What scares me about CU is how much have they struggled transitioning conferences into the Pac-12, specifically talking about football. They've struggled mightily. What ha- is that going to continue when they move to another conference? Then are they going to have to adjust to that and adjust their recruiting based on that? And that's going to take another 10 years to get their feet under them? You know what's funny? And I know CU fans will get upset with me saying this, and that's fine. Um, CU will look at Kansas on the calendar and say, well, we got Kansas. You know what? Kansas is going to look at Colorado on their schedule and say, we, we have Colorado. Yep. Exactly. That, that, that's what it has unfortunately come down to with Colorado football. And yes, USC might wind up being in the college football playoff. But it doesn't matter because, again, they are renting right now and waiting for the lease to end so they can move. And oh, by the way, um, do you think for a minute, and I understand that UCLA is going to the Big Ten too, what kind of look is it that they had, what, 26, 27,000 fans at a home game? It's not good. No. Nothing outside of USC was a good look for the Pac-12. No, it was, it was a bad it, – it was, it, was it was as bad as you could have, have possibly written it up. Yep. So if we went into that weekend and said, what would be the worst-case scenario? Oregon getting blown out. By the way, they were already 17-point underdogs. Yep. They lost by 46. Utah – Everyone thinking they're going to be good. Heisman Cannon, like you said, they lose to an unranked team on the road. Yes, I know it's Florida. But again, Florida isn't what Florida used to be. Then you have UCLA's attendance problems. 
Those are the three things that stick out from this entire weekend, that the Pac-12 struggling to survive could not have had a worse weekend, and it's only week one. I don't, I, 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 to me, Utah, Oregon is not must-watch TV, even if they're on each other's schedule. With what happened this weekend, it's a who-cares game. Because you know that neither of those teams can compete with the SEC. Right. I don't know if they can compete with the Big Ten. I think I think Oregon beat Ohio State last year. They did in Ohio State. Right. That was a nice one. Yep. And Ohio State does recruit a lot of athletes. I'm with you. And every once in a while, they can compete with the SEC teams. But even though the Big Ten, in terms of revenue, is only going to continue to climb, the SEC is still the power. Oh, with that, with, without a doubt. And uh, seeing what Ohio State did or didn't do against Notre Dame, I know Notre Dame was a top-five team, but I expected Ohio State to handle them at home, and they beat them by 11. Yeah. Well, they covered the spread. They did. Uh, what do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? Margaret Court had some eye-raising comments about Serena Williams. What did she say, and what did Albert Pujols and Aaron Judge do over the weekend? That's next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Stevens on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Zach Stevens, at Eric Goodman. We're looking for wholesale lumber to the public. Go to rmfp.com. Of course, Zach writes and does a podcast for DNVR. He's going to be with me tomorrow and Thursday as well. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Australia's Margaret Court believes she doesn't get as much credit from the tennis world as she deserves for her 24 Grand Slam titles. And that Serena Williams doesn't reciprocate uh, her admiration. Court said, Serena, I've admired her as a player, but I don't think she has ever admired me. Do you think Court has become somewhat persona non grata in the tennis world? And should Serena give Court her due? No. What are we talking about here? We're talking about someone who has, has finished her playing career so long ago, and she's trying to take away the spotlight from Serena here. I don't like this right now coming out. This is Serena's time with her likely being done. And by the way, what an incredible match, especially the way it ended. Serena just holding on to her final game and match uh, on Friday night. And this is just the wrong time to be saying this. 
I, Margaret Court doesn't help herself because of her political views that alienate a lot of people, specifically women. She is staunch pro-life in a country like Australia. Okay, they, they, they talked about whether to ban abortion, yada, yada, yada. And she was strong being pro-life. That hasn't helped her. This is not a political thing. It's not about us having a political conversation. That has not helped her, specifically because she is a woman. But here's the thing. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar does not feel he gets the respect he deserves. Hank Aaron, if we're being completely honest, never got the respect that he deserves. And I do think that... It is important to appreciate the people who paved the way for you. It is important to recognize your predecessors. And we see that with a lot of athletes who understand the history of the game who do that, right? Um, Everyone likes to talk about Michael Jordan as, you know, people always recognize Michael Jordan. Why not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Holds the title for the most points scored, right? Margaret Court. Um, over, I think it was a 13-year career, had 62 Grand Slam titles. Total. 62. That includes doubles as well. Her contemporary, Billie Jean King, had 39. Margaret Court had 62. She has the most singles titles for a Grand Slam, man or woman. She also had two children. Serena had one child. And she played, I think seven less years than Serena Williams. Margaret Court deserves her due. I understand what you're saying. The old people should just shut up and let the the newer people enjoy the game. I'm not going to speak for Serena Williams, but should she recognize, yes, Margaret Court paved the way for me? I don't think there's anything wrong with a comment like that. For all I know, Serena Williams is upset with Margaret Court because of her stance on being pro-life. I don't know, but I think it's important to recognize the people who came before you. Just in case you missed it, John Harbaugh, when asked about whether contract talks between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson have been suspended, Harbaugh said, I don't have any updates. My interactions with Lamar have been all football. He's been focused and locked in on that 100% from a football standpoint. So despite no contract extension, do you expect Jackson to be locked in like Harbaugh said, or will it be a distraction as the saga drags into the season? Well, I expect him to be locked into football. Playing for a contract. Exactly, because the better he does, especially early on in this season, the bigger his contract is going to be, the more guaranteed it's going to be. He got to love seeing Russell Wilson's deal come out last week, unless he wanted the fully guaranteed deal. That doesn't help him, uh, but I don't know what the Ravens are doing here. Are they really going to let him walk after this season? There's no way. And Lamar, the way he plays, I'd want a contract done before week one rolls around. Well, the way he plays, I understand that he does a very nice job of avoiding contact, right? Yep. However, he is a running quarterback. Exactly. And running quarterbacks historically don't last very long. With that, uh, the last quarterback I can remember that was going into a contract year but said, I don't want to sign it. I don't want to sign anything because I'm going to bet on myself. Happened to play for Baltimore. And that was Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. He happened to win a Super Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. And he cashed in for being a marginal quarterback his entire career. Now, Lamar Jackson, unlike Flacco, wants a contract. If Baltimore wants to roll the dice, they can do that. They can also sign him to a franchise tag. 
if they want to, which is probably going to be in the neighborhood of about 40 to 45 million, which they certainly have the right to do. We'll see how this all plays out. All right, just in case you missed it, over the weekend, Albert Pujols hit career home run number 695 versus the Cubs on Sunday, and Aaron Judge is now up to 54 home runs on the season. So I want to know what's more likely, Pujols reaching the 700 mark or Judge hitting 62 home runs? A month left into the season. I'm going to say Albert Pujols gets five more to get to seven or 700. Right. And certainly Aaron Judge needs more. But he's a better home run hitter, if yep. we're being completely honest. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at history on two fronts. For Aaron Judge, only one American League player has ever hit 61 home runs or more. And that's Roger Maris. And ironically, he played for the Yankees, just like Aaron Judge. I would love to see Aaron Judge wind up surpassing Roger Maris. Because let's face it, a lot of people don't look at Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire as the true single-season home run kings. As for Albert Pujols, boy, that would make a fantastic story to a storybook career. You're a little bit younger than I am, but for my generation, and I'm in my 50s, and you're about 13, at least you look 13, Zach. (laughs) Albert Pujols, not for your generation, but for my generation, is the greatest hitter over the last 50 years. Yeah, I can't believe he's still playing, too. Yes. Now, his first 12 years, it's it's almost unmatched in baseball history. Like Willie Mays, he did play too long. Make no mistake about it. But when you play that long and you are a prodigious home run hitter, specifically early on in your career, you might be able to sniff 700, and it would be great to see him do that. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. Uh, they always have great sales going on. They also deliver to the entire Denver metro area. Every delivery over 100 bucks is going to be free. CY Westward called Argonaut the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Check them out on Colfax or go to ArgonautLiquor.com. That's going to do it for us. Got two Zachs to thank today. Zach Stevens running next to me shotgun. And then we have Zach Seegers. It's really hard to get the... We have two <laughs> ZSs in, in, in the room. It's very difficult. But you're, you're filling in. You, you probably wouldn't get upset with me if I forgot your last name. I have to work every single day with Zach Seegers. So if I don't remember his last name, which is Seegers, as opposed to Stevens, he's going to punch wrong buttons on me on purpose <laughs> and make me look bad. I know that. Yeah, I just have the camera put on Zach uh, the whole time. <laughs> there we I'm go, Zach. Giving you any any screen time whatsoever. You know what? The ratings will go up if you continue to do that. Great job today, Alex. Make it the best possible day you can. Yeah.